Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Donovan gives it to Royce, kicks it back up to Ingles, rotates to Bogdanovich, right corner three is good. Now they're just having fun. Jazz working at the top, Clarkson's got Strauss on him. Clarkson thinks, wait, this is not this is much easier than Jimmy Butler. Works to the right side for a three and hit. Ingles will come back up top, gives to Bogdanovich, he works the dribble, fires the three. Got it! Oh, bogey! And a double fist pump from bogey going back the other way. That's highlights from the last time the Jazz played the Heat. The Jazz are in Miami tonight. Tip-off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game show starts at 5. Heat have been up and down, PK. Obviously, they're in the NBA Finals a year ago, and obviously they've had to play stretches this year without their guys, so their record isn't great, 15-17. and 17. Although in the East, it puts them right on the fringe of the playoffs. They get a little streak going here. They're going to be in, in good shape. So the question is, can they get a streak going? They win four, they lose three, they win four, they... Now what? I don't know. I don't care about the Heat. I just care about the Jazz. <laughs> Let's keep it rolling, guys. 22-2. and two. Keep it rolling. Yeah. NBA has formally opened an investigation into Dennis Lindsay and the alleged bigoted comments made to him. Uh, former Jazz guard Elijah Millsap with the allegations. Jazz said they're cooperating with the league. The probe will include the sharing of detailed notes taken in the April 2015 meeting that was attended by Millsap and three Jazz officials, according to reports. ESPN reporting that uh, the notes can't be altered. Uh, forensically, you can tell if they've gone in and the, you know they've been altered. And I guess Elijah's or Elijah's people, either one, would say, "Well, would you write that down in your notes, though?" I, I don't know if this is going to change the he said, he said nature of this. Me either. Justin Zanuck, also reportedly the other jazz official in the room, would have been Dennis Lindsay and Quinn, who Elijah identified, but then ESPN had a story saying that uh, Justin Zanuck was in the room as well. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. That was a weird-looking end to the Nuggets game, PK. A fast break to win a game is unusual, although we've seen it. But then everybody on the break pulling up, and it was four-on-one, and everybody pulls up on the three-point line. Nobody wants to drive for a layup or dunk to tie the game, maybe force free throws that could tie the game, maybe get a three-point play to win the game. Everybody pulls up on the three-point line, and the three's no good. It's a weird-looking finish. Pretty sure I haven't seen that before. Oh, that's the way we play today, though. Yep. True story. And it, it was telling that uh, Jamal Murray is the one who's like, why did Jamal take the three? But it is the way, as you say, we play today because all four guys made the same decision. Nobody went to the hoop. Everybody pulled up on the line. Well, you can't expect somebody to do something differently Different. when they're basically trained to do this. Right. Yeah, you basically you go to the hoop if there's nobody between you and the bucket. But other than that, you, you pull up on the three-point line. The Clippers got blown out. Grizzlies 122-94. to Memphis just crushing L.A. And you check the box score and everybody played. I was waiting to see, okay, who missed the game that I didn't hear about. Luke Kennard missed it. Quit dissing no, Luke Kennard. I am dissing Luke Kennard. He's in the rotation. Kawhi Leonard played. 
Paul George played, and those guys both really, really struggled to score it in this game. As did the Clippers well, as a team, finishing on 94, obviously. Yeah, I understand that, but that's the essence of the NBA. In any given game, these things can happen. Bucks beat the Pelicans, 129-125. Giannis had 38 in that one. and The Nets keep rolling. They blow out Orlando, who the Jazz are going to see Saturday. The Nets blow out Orlando, 129-92. Kyrie had 27 points and 9 assists. So... Minnesota Timberwolves guard Malik Beasley suspended for 12 games without pay in the wake of pleading guilty to a felony count of threats of violence as a result of a September incident. The NBA announced all this yesterday. He's going to be able to return March 27th. The suspension will cost him $1.1 million. So what was the threats of violence? What was the circumstance? I don't know that. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. We're not letting COVID take another tournament away from us. It's just, it's just, it can't happen. Um, and so, you know, I think as the season gone on, we've got increasingly cautious and uh, we'll continue to be increasingly cautious and, and, and we're super prayerful and, and we're super hopeful that that, that doesn't happen because these guys, you know, these guys have worked really, really hard and sacrificed an awful lot for each other. So we're going to continue to be careful. That's BYU coach Mark Pope after BYU beats USF 79-73. Alex Barcella having a huge game. Career-high 29.7 of 7 from the three-point line. And BYU holding off the Dons to improve the 9-3 in league. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, the same week here locally, we had a, a Cougar and a Jazzer go 7-for-7 seven seven at the three-point line. That's interesting. That's the way we play now, as you just said a couple of minutes ago. But I mean, both of them, not, not six or seven, not, not eight of eight. Yeah, right, not seven for eight, but and seven for seven. Both of them among the all-time marks in, for both teams because Barcelo's the most makes without a miss from beyond the arc in BYU men's history. But because it is the way we play right now, we all wonder how long these records are going to stand. Not very long. Next month, next year, it just feels tomorrow. at some point. Tomorrow, mate, yeah. You never know, but at some point. And it could be that same guy who breaks his own record. You don't know. We just don't. The Utes, that was bad, PK. They got blown out by UCLA, 76-61. It was 22-all. They were playing fine, and then they were down by 20. Boom. Yeah, a little bit of run there by the Bruins at the end of the first half, and then a huge run to open the second Second half, half. and that was it. Yep. And the Utes uh, getting lost on defense, two guys going with one guy, and nobody staying with the ball and the shooter, and... Giving up dunks, as Larry said, our defense wasn't good at the point of attack. Guys getting beat up. Yeah, I thought it was a lackluster effort, lack of heart, lack of everything. And the program's got so many problems. Where do you begin? They're 6-10 in conference now, 9-11 overall. And they got USC coming in, 6 o'clock tomorrow on ESPN2. USC and UCLA going back and forth trying to win the conference title. It may well come down to their head-to-head game at the end of the year. But uh, you got to figure USC's coming in looking to bury... Bury Utah tomorrow. Trojans did lose to Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, they lost to Colorado. Colorado put it on them pretty good. Weaver State beats Sac State. Same two teams play again tomorrow at noon. Southern Utah faces Northern Arizona. Your Lumberjacks in Flagstaff tonight at 5 o'clock. And then they'll turn around and play on the weekend as well. And Scotty G's got the Aggies in Nevada. Big games tonight and Sunday. Tip-off at 7 o'clock tonight on FS1. Aggies coming off those losses to Boise State. PK, they cannot afford to slip up again. Those losses could move them to the bubble, but getting beat by Nevada could be a real problem. 
Ah, uh, yeah, obviously, I agree. Nevada's nine and five in conference. Utah State's eleven and four. Nevada's not a bad ball club, so nope. it's not going to be a walking apart right. by any stretch. They're both fourteen and seven overall, and then the uh, the Aggies are a game and a half in Nevada, in the con- and a game and a half in front of them in the conference race. Scotty G will have the call six thirty for the pregame, seven o'clock for first tip on twelve eighty the zone tonight, and the Jazz game will be on ninety seven five the zone with David Locke on the call. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. All right, here's a new trade on a new uh, new spin on. I requested a trade. I didn't request a trade. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. Relationship with the franchise not good. It's strained, according to reports. And he has not formally requested a trade. However, his agent Mark Rogers did tell Adam Schefter that Wilson would like to remain in Seattle. But he would also be okay with trades to the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders, and the Bears. So usually you just say, I want out, and I'll waive my no-trade clause for these teams. And he's saying, I'm willing to stay, but I'm also willing to go to these teams. Inching, so he has a no-trade clause? Inching down the road, yeah. It's, that's what I've heard, yes. But it's been reported, what I've read. So. so these are the only teams he'd be willing to go to. Yeah, an interesting selection of teams. I don't see to replace Drew Brees. Uh, the other stuff, I'm not sure. There's got to be some reasons why the other three teams were listed. The Saints, I absolutely get. The Bears, I absolutely don't. It seems like, to me, the Bears are further away. don't have the offensive pieces. And then the Raiders and Cowboys are in between. They have some of the pieces, and you know his quarterback play could elevate them. Yeah, I think he's better than any of the quarterbacks, assuming Drew Brees steps aside. And even right now, I, get, I would put Russell ahead of Brees. Yeah. So I think he would elevate every one of those teams. Yeah, I just don't know that the Bears are close enough that him elevating them would be that good a deal. Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson met with the new head coach David Coley Friday but still wants to be traded, has no interest in suiting up for the franchise again. I think this stalemate goes on for a while. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And uh, other quarterbacks waiting to move, I think, have to wait for these top guys. You know, what's going to happen with Watson and Wilson? And then it'll trickle down to some of the other moves. We'll see if the well. I think the draft is in there too. Yeah, you're right. The draft is in there too. That's absolutely you're right about that. And and we'll see if the log jam breaks. If other teams start thinking, hey, I can't get this guy, so I'm going to go, you know, find a backup. I think Marcus Mariota has been a a guy who, hey, maybe you should take a chance on him as a starter. And but you want to do that if you still have a shot. If you think you have a shot at Wilson and Watson. So how long do you wait though? DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. College football games this weekend, PK. This is going to be odd. FCS action, the big sky. Weber State at Idaho State. Southern Utah at Northern Arizona. Trailblazers at Dixie State playing their first game at the FCS level. Tarleton State. They'll eventually be uh, in the WAC together as the WAC restarts football. Well, it's that time of year. It really isn't. <laughs> Late February. But that was nice. I like that. Oh, and then we have that other thing that you guys were all excited about. The Alliance Yop of American The Alliance of American Football. The Salt Lake Your boy Stallions. Dave Fox was gonna be their announcer and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Full steed ahead. If I heard that once, I heard it more. <laughs> Full steed ahead. Was it six games, Jacques? How many did they play? Maybe eight? Somewhere in there. I don't know. And then they were gone. Yes, it is. It's not the first time we've had spring football. It's just the first time we've had spring college football. 
Second game's already been rescheduled. Cal Poly's got issues, so they had two bye weeks built into the schedule, and Cal Poly has moved their first two games. So for Weber State, they filled up their second bye week with Cal Poly. So they'll play this game, and then they'll have two, two weeks to get ready for their home opener. University of Texas System Regents approved a six-year, $34.2 million guaranteed contract for Steve Sarkeesian. And Sark's assistant pool is $21 million in guaranteed contracts. So he's going to have three assistants making $1 million or more annually. And we should know by now that college football is an arms race, but this just underscores it a couple times, adds a couple exclamation points to the NPK. Multiple million-dollar assistance. And in a couple years, three is going to seem like a small number, isn't it? At first, it was just an offense coordinator, a defense coordinator, maybe both. Now he's got three. It seems like only a matter of time until it'll be four and five. Yeah, I think if, that if I was a college football player, I would try my best to go into coaching because you're probably going to make more money. It's a, you know, you're going to be risking it, too, because you have to move around a lot. But if you're willing to do that, financial benefits can be very, very good. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Uh, I just smile because I know the greatness of LeBron. I know the greatness of Mahomes and uh, the big things that are winners. There's a lot of things I still need to accomplish to be even close to those guys. But I feel like the main thing is going to be winning. I'm looking forward to that challenge. I'm looking forward to be you know, stay next to them. It's not about this year and, you know, how they're mentioning. It's going to be how, how they show, especially LeBron. LeBron, they show it every year, and that's going to be the big thing for me, showing it every year. That's the Padres shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. there on being compared to other big stars in other big leagues. Saying all the right things, PK. Can he make it happen? Baseball's a tricky sport to win every year because you don't control that much of the process. Oh, I don't think you have to win. What's your definition of win every year? Well, when he talks win every year and compares himself to LeBron, a deep playoff runs, winning championships a fair number of years, but you know, being in the finals when you're not, or you know, and you don't—he's his shortstop. He doesn't control how good the the pitching is, obviously. Mm, to an extent, he can help that though. Uh, but at the same time, every time there's a poll out there, who's the best baseball player? It comes back to Mike Trout, yeah. and he hasn't won a playoff game. Yep. I think for Tatis, the key is to find ways to stay healthy. He got injured in the first year. He plays a very aggressive style, and he's got to be smart on that as far as that goes and to make sure that he's picking his spots. You just When you're playing that many games, and it's not a contact sport, obviously, you know, except for a shortstop, it could be a contact for the ground or yeah. <laughs> running into outfielders. So you've got to make sure that you're smart on that. You don't put yourself in, and it's – it's due mainly at a hustle, as I've watched him play. So he's got to pick his spots and pick his spots when not to dive and all that type of stuff. Don't don't slide headfirst into bags. Don't crash into catchers. Not supposed to be doing that anyway, although it happens sometimes. Philly star Bryce Harper telling reporters the National League East is a juggernaut of a division. He hasn't been to the playoffs since 2017. He told reporters, I think this is the best division in baseball. I don't think that's even a question. We have five teams that are really good. Vegas has the Phillies at 81 and a half wins on the over-under, which is actually very mediocre. But we'll see if they all come through. Vegas isn't 
necessarily analyzing the teams as much as they're analyzing teams and analyzing how people are going to throw money down on teams. Yeah, I think I would agree with him that it's the best division. Uh, assuming that uh, Washington's last season with the 60 games was something that not real. guys opt out and all that stuff. And and if you go back to the year before when they won it all, if they can regain uh, maybe not all of that form to win it all again. But you know, the Mets made a number of moves. Uh, Atlanta's good. Miami was pretty good in their short season last season. So I would say that. But, yeah, you got to get going now, man. You're 28 years old already, and you were brought in with the assumption and expectations, probably a better word, that you would help the Phillies win at a high level, and that's yet to happen. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, coming up in our next segment. Dan Devine, NBA writer for The Ringer, here to talk NBA hoops, jazz, and all-stars at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David Locke is coming up next. Stay with us. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. In the second half, the Lakers hugged the shooters and Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors feasted, as well as guards who got into the lane, a la that beautiful dunk from Donovan Mitchell. Actually, Donovan didn't get as much lift on that as he usually does. You are Eeyore. From Winnie the Pooh, huge dunk, Sports Center top 10. He didn't get the lift, Pooh. (laughs) Not much of a house. Don't get me wrong. Just right for not much of a donkey. The Jazz are playing great. I'm just saying that Donovan's dunk went in sideways. I know they won 22 of 24, but most likely lose again anyway. <laughs> Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot takes a toast. The question of the day brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. At Jerry Seiner Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. David Locke is coming up in a few minutes, but we've got a couple questions up. We can hit here right out of the gate. And one of them we will have for David, of course, is uh, how is this road trip going to go? Four games. And the way they played lately, you just want to pencil in. 4 no. They'll win them all. But you got Philly at the end of the trip. That looks like a good test. Don't want to overlook Miami here in the opener with part of a back-to-back. In normal times, PK, I think we'd be talking two and two or three and one. But the Jazz have been in anything but normal times. So I think we're talking three and one I or agree, four. Yeah. I think now we're talking three and one or four and oh, although it feels weird sure. to make that assumption because there's so many times we'd be looking at this trip thinking, I gotta go two and two, and if they go three and one, they'll be really happy. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, they got a four-game lead, so they don't have to do anything. <laughs> it's what they're capable of doing, I think, that matters. With that Clipper loss we were just telling you about in the last segment, the Jazz four up on the Clippers, four and a half on the Lakers. So, a little breathing room there. And Robbie points right. that out. He posts, the Clippers got blown out. Kind of crazy to think about, but the Jazz could lose all of these guys, all of these games, and they still might be in the driver's seat. I certainly hope that doesn't happen. I'm thinking three and one. A four-game losing streak, and the Clippers and Lakers lose, and the Jazz are still the top dog at the break, but feeling lousy. 
Well, yeah, with a week off, you know, just psychologically, you don't want to go into that break on a losing streak to that magnitude because you've got such a good thing going. Uh, you really, you know, you look at the Clipper game, too, the one that they lost, and people can live with that. You know, you played well, you got down, you came back, and and they won by a four points, whatever it was. That's going to happen. No, no, no shame in that. No one expects you if you play those teams in the playoffs to sweep anyway. Sweeping, no matter who you're playing in a seven-game series, is very difficult. Pretty much doesn't matter who the opponent is in the postseason. Certainly after you get past the first round, most definitely. So losses are going to happen. But uh, continue to play on and, and stay healthy and stay away from the COVID and the, the contact tracing and all that stuff. And then you got a week off. I guess if you're going to get it, now's the time to get it <laughs> with, uh, with some time off anyway so you're not playing games. But just basically continue as is, man. Clock in and go to work. I mean, that that's pretty much what it boils down to. I mean, we can analyze it till we're blue in the face, but you're playing well. You can improve here and there for sure, particularly on a game-to-game basis. But basically, overall, do what you're capable of doing, and it should be fine. Juro says, 4-0 would be great. I'm taking 3-1. Oh. Is he accepting losing, PK? Man, I say that kind of stuff. You just jump me. Well, it depends on what what type of loss, as I just said, with the Clippers, though. That was their most recent loss. I can live with that loss. That was a good effort. You got beat. Clippers played well. Obviously, Clippers were jacked for that game at home, national TV, first, guy, first game back for their stars and all that stuff. That's understandable. That's not accepting. You know, the, the Denver thing's a different story. That's so far in the rearview mirror, it doesn't even really matter anymore. And, and you look at what Denver's done, which is basically nothing since then. You know, they shot a plate out of their mind, and, and they won a ball game. That's the NBA. As we saw, Memphis turns around and, and beats the Nuggets themselves. So those things are going to happen. You don't, you don't accept losing. You deal with it, and as long as it be, doesn't become a pattern – it's not that big of a deal at the Jazz level. For the Nuggets, it is a big deal because they're they're hovering around 500 and we're expected to be much better. With the Jazz, I mean, if you look at it uh, for the rest of the games, they're probably going to have two or three more losses this season. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> two or three more losses. Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> He got them penciled in for like 15 and 18 game win streaks in the second half because they're going to lose a couple more games. (laughs) I said three. Okay, 64 and eight or 63 and nine. But PK is not going to double digit losses. No, no, no. He's drawing the line. In this, it's obvious in the community in which we live, they're going to go 66 and six. (laughs) Well, then there's no more losses. They got to win out. Okay, well, I mean, that's obviously they're not going to win out. I understand that. And if they, if they had, what, six or seven more losses, that would still be awesome? Yeah, if the second half looks like the first half, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Sign off on that. It's probably not going to happen, but you take it. All right, time to welcome in David right. Locke. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, David James. Patrick Kinahan, how are you? 
Uh, a little lower key, but okay. Little what? Lower key than you. Oh, lower key. Okay. I thought you wanted yeah. me to start talking with a deeper voice. Are you like you like three Red Bulls into the day know. already, or what? What? Yeah. Uh, what, what are you doing here? I, I, I just enjoy my time with the two of you. I cherish it. I appreciate who you guys are. It, it's a pleasure in my day on Friday mornings to wake up and and spend this time with you. So, all right. Um, yeah. I'm curious before we get to the basketball and the hardcore stuff. Uh, you know, we're seeing teams let uh, – some teams let people into the building. The Jazz are, you know, one of the first. BYU just let some folks into the, the building. This is the first week they're doing that. And we're seeing it a little bit in other sports too. And I'm curious when you're in a building that normally seats 18306 and you got 3,900 people in there, do you feel energy and emotion during games? What What is that like? And what do you think it's like for the players? I, I don't know. Um I have no idea from a player standpoint, so um, and I haven't actually heard a lot of them comment on it. They say it's nice, but I haven't heard them comment on it. Um, I know, like Miami's up to five thousand tonight, so this will probably be the most people we've played that are against us all year. Um, I, as an announcer, you know they're piping so much false crowd noise into my ears. Mm. Thank goodness um, on the other games that I'm not sure I've really told it. You can tell the difference. I have a tendency to interact with like the groups right around me on like big plays, you know, just with facial reactions or jumping up and down and doing stupid stuff with my call. Um, and so that's really on home games I get to do that. Whereas on a road game, there's no one around. So road games are really, 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 really difficult to call. So um, a home games just a lot better. It just feels a little bit, you know, a little bit more normal. And there's more fans there. I'm sure the players feel the same way. Well, I know I told you the other day, and I wanted to say it publicly. I think under these trying circumstances, you're doing a great job. I'm in the car a fair amount with a kid driving back and forth to practices and whatnot, and so I haven't noticed a difference. I know we talked about it, and you have, and I understand your commitment to what you're trying to do. So I certainly respect that, but I think you're doing a great job, and Thank you. I appreciate the effort that you're putting in. As far as the team goes, I'm I'm trying to come up with some stuff. You know, to to look at and analyze, but it's almost like to the point that this is just too good to be true. And what more can you say about it? Yeah, I think that's right, PK. Um, thank you for the nice comment. Uh, there, there's a basketball reference as a stat, which kind of just grades every team on their performance versus their strength of schedule. You know, we can decide what we think of that stat, right? But it, they, they have it for every team that's ever played, based, and it's based on, you know, that season and everything. The Jazz are like the fifth best team in the history of the NBA right now. <laughs> and I think that, like, concept, okay, so let's say that stat's a little off. Or, you know, it's not like the other four teams all make sense. I always say this about stats. Look at the top ten people. If, top, if, it, if eight of the ten makes sense, then the other two you just need to reevaluate. It's not that the stat's bad. It's that you don't quite understand the value of the other two. Um, and so I think that that is what's going on. We're having an all-time historic run um, between the margin of victory, the quality of opponents, the way we're playing. We're doing things no team's ever done. I think you got to sit back and ride it. Like, I think the silliest 
question is like, is it sustainable? Like, well, on one level, it's been going on long enough that that's sustainable, that we've sustained it. On the other level, like, no, you're probably not winning 95% of your games for the next, you know, 50 games. But is this team actually an 80% win rate team? Like, maybe they're pretty good. They've been remarkably healthy in a season where most people aren't. Um, they have incredible continuity in a season in which player, which in which teams don't have continuity and don't have practice time. They've got a you know mad genius as a head coach who's figured out how to change the game a little bit. And so, I think that you do have the, the, this kind of incredible makeup that, as of right now, is historic, and that's how it should be thought of. Is this is one of the most remarkable things as a sports fan you could ever root for. If any, you know, if the Miami Heat were doing this, we'd be talking about that with a big-name person. Um, you know, it would be talked about as one of the great teams of all time. And that's what they've been. We just don't have the, the market value or the – or maybe it's not market value. Maybe it's, we actually don't have the track record of having done it before. So if Miami was doing this, having been to the finals last year – it would feel very differently than if a team has been knocked out in the first round of the playoffs for two years in a row did it. Yeah, I think that's the key right there. Yeah, I think that is a big deal, obviously. So Miami has uh, has been hard to figure. They they win four, they lose three, they win four. They obviously were missing Butler for a while. They were missing Dragic, although Dragic has now been back for a game. But now Tyler Hero is out. So how big a threat are the Heat in your view? So um, I'm, I'm going to just steal stuff here. Um, I was actually just listening to Locked on Heat this morning. Um, I built a podcast network so that I could actually have prep for every NBA game. I decided that this was actually the value. Um, and David Ramil was talking that the, the win over Toronto was the first time all year that they've, they've had some other good wins, but he said that those were all kind of based on, like, Bam would have a monster night or they had a bounce-back win. But this was the first time they kind of looked like the Heat. Goran Dragic was back. He's you know, kind of their secondary engine. Jimmy Butler's their everything. And so the team is, to some extent, rounding back into form of what they were in the bubble last year. Now, there's some elements last year, I think, to that, where the same way the Jazz have had all those things come together at the right place and the right time and the right makeup, the same thing happened with the Heat in the bubble. Uh, but they're, they're really, really good, and I think they're playing at their peak. What's interesting in the matchup tonight is that Bam Adebayo has just struggled miserably in his career when guarded by Rudy. And he doesn't, he's great, but he doesn't have the athleticism or length to be able to get to the rim. So he becomes kind of an outside mid-range shooter. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think he was going into the last matchup, he was 6 of 20 in his career when guarded by Rudy. And I think he went about 3 of 11 that night. So he's somewhere around 9 of 30 in his career when guarded by Rudy, and that, that takes away a good deal of their game. Um, and so that, that's where we really we alter who they are, and they have to find other ways. But with Drogic and with Butler, they, they probably have some ways to do that. So you've had an opportunity now to call games and see up, t- up close anyway uh, from a distance, I guess, maybe not up close, but the Clippers and the Lakers. And I realize the Lakers had key pieces missing, but we saw what the Lakers can do last year with that particular key piece in Anthony Davis. And now that we've had almost a half season of the Jazz, the new version of the Jazz, uh, what concerns you as far as matchups against both of those teams? 
So I think we have two things that are our weaknesses for us. The, the first one is multiple wing scorers because we don't really have multiple wing defenders. So, you know, tonight Drogic is not that powerful, nor is Jimmy Butler, frankly, as a scorer. So we can go put Royce on Butler and we put Rudy on Bam and we match up okay. But against the Clippers, when it's Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and maybe even Lou Williams on the floor, like how are we guarding them? And they went after Boyan at a, at a pretty high level in a way we haven't seen a lot of, where they just went and said, okay, we have – actually, they did it the night before when they had uh, Reggie Jackson, Patrick Beverly, and Lou Williams on the floor. Whoever they could get Paul, whoever they could get uh, Boyan switched onto is who they went after. So when they have, it's the same thing we do to everyone, that we have multiple pick-and-roll ball handlers, and if you have a bad defender out there, we go put them in the pick-and-roll. And so that's – that's the con- first concern, and, and both those teams kind of have that. The Lakers, it's Schroeder, LeBron, and Anthony Davis, and it's not as obvious as it is with Kawhi, Lou Williams, and Paul George. That's a pretty potent group. Um, the second one that concerns me is the model is out, I think, on how to try to guard us. No one, you, know, you have to have the personnel to be able to do it, but you're going to undo our shooters. You're going to make us play pick and roll in the middle of the floor, or we're going to move it over to the side, just a two-man game. You're going to not let us get the 45-53s, and you're going to make us play inside of that. When the Lakers and Clippers are able to do that with every guy on the floor being 6-5 or longer, it makes it really hard to start moving the ball and passing. So those are the two areas of, of considerable concern that I think will be the real test in, in those matchups. So I agree with a lot of what you said, but it does crack me up. You when- should agree. You should agree with everything I said. <laughs> but it does crack me up when people say, well, the Jazz don't have the wing, ma- the wing, the wings to match up with Kawhi and Paul George. Like, well, nobody does. That's the right. whole point. And you have been preaching our long time. It's great to be good defensively. But, you know, we are kind of moving towards a, it's an outscore you kind of league. You know, and we have seen games where the Jazz have given up 120, but scored 130, so they win the game. So, as much as I agree that is a weakness, is it automatically? I, I guess when I when I hear people talk about the Jazz nationally, maybe they just don't watch close enough. Is it automatically that bad? I mean, is it really that horrific that they can't do that? Since really nobody can do it, and people are trying to outscore each other anyway. How do the how do the Clippers and Lakers match up with the Jazz at the other end of the floor? Well, let's, I mean, I think we just talked about the Clippers and Lakers match up with the Jazz on the other end of the floor because they have that amazing length. And so it can really limit some of our ball mm-hmm. movement. And what we have to avoid doing is getting caught in these half-court power games, yes. which is, you know, the playoff half-court game of like, okay, well, we're going to slow it down because we have LeBron and Anthony Davis, so we're going to make sure every possession goes to LeBron and Anthony Davis by slowing this down. And, you know, everyone talks, well, the playoffs slow down. Well, the playoffs slow down because you want to know who's going to shoot, when they're going to shoot, where they're going to shoot it from, and how they're going to get it. So it's who, what, when, where, how. So, you know, welcome back, Kata, for those people that are over 50. Um, the Jazz are trying to go try to play in the playoffs in a manner that isn't that. It's just us up the floor and our shots, and we get it up the floor quickly enough, and whoever gets the first look takes it. What we've really transformed is our shot clock usage. That's the big change on what this team is. And we've got, in the playoffs, you have to keep that. And so if you can do that, then you negate the, the thing I'm talking about, which is their length in the half court and slowing and, and making it so that we get really bogged down in the half court because we can't move the ball the same way. In regards to what your comment was about the, 
wing defender. I mean, we have the best wing defender in the NBA. His name's Rudy. Because he eliminates half the shots that those wings want to take. Now, what's such a pain about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is that their mid-range games are, are good and maybe even good enough to beat you. They're one of, like, five players in the league who might be able to beat you in a mid-range game. And, you know, Chris Paul being one of them as well, uh, and probably Devin Booker. So Phoenix gets to be a tough matchup, too. But the fact is that Rudy, you know, if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George average about five shots a night at the rim, when we play them, they get two or three. That's a big difference when you suddenly move one of those shots from a you know 75% shot into a 40% shot. And that's how their nights suddenly go from, you know, 8 of 18 with three threes and then we hug the three-point shooters really well to suddenly, you know, they're now 7 of 18 instead of, you know, 7 of 18 with one three and two less shots at the rim, and now they're a little less efficient. And when you're playing at three and four and five-point games, those are the three and four and five-point games that would allow the Jazz to beat the Clippers and Lakers. I mean, LeBron wanted no part of Rudy last the other night. He just doesn't, like, as powerful as he is, like, the numbers are there. Last year, he was two of seven when guarded by Rudy. So, like, he, he didn't go into the paint to get Rudy switched on him to go get that matchup. And the one time he did, he shook him pretty good, but he missed the shot. Remember it. Jess has some roster flexibility going forward. What do you think they're going to do? I don't know. It's really complicated, right? When you're rolling like this, are you bringing somebody new into the mix? I do think we're really weak at the and staying at the four. Um, you know, if either Boyan or George Niang go down, I think for there, there's a there's a gap in the roster there. Now maybe Jawan Morgan's ready for that, but that feels like a lot to ask in the playoff series. So if there's a there's a veteran out there that gets released by a team that you feel has the makeup to be tough enough and strong enough in the playoffs that they could knock down a big shot. Maybe it's Bielitsa in Sacramento, um, though he's, you know, not playing for a not very good team, but, um, you know, he probably will get a buyout. Um, then maybe you add something of that sort. I mean, you do have a luxury tax issue, which I understand, like, Ryan Smith has been remarkable in his willingness to pay the luxury tax. But as I've always said, that should not be necessarily a badge of honor. It's kind of really bad financial business. If, you, if you're if you willing to throw it to the wind because you think you have a chance to win it, then, then that's great. But you shouldn't just go into luxury tax to, like, flex your muscles and, and show that you're incredible Hulk. You should do it with, you know, it's, it's expensive right now. So you have to make a, the right move, not just a move for the sake of a move. It's got to be worth it. David Locke joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David, the uh, the all-star teams came out, and there was a lot of talk about Conley in that. But if you look at it, they, they picked the top scorers in the league. Like Trey Young in Atlanta is like the one guy in the top 20 who's not in the all-star game. So if you're going to be selfless and move the ball and get other guys involved, your odds go way down. And Ben Simmons and, and Chris Paul and, and Rudy Gobert are the three exceptions so the Jazz already have one of the exceptions, and you got to be in first place. Two of the three guys are in first place to get the exception. So, I mean, I get why Conley takes it personally. I mean, it's his career and it's his name. And yet at the same time, it's like there's a formula, and if you don't play that way, well, you know how it's going to play out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I kind of understand it from all standpoints. One is, you know, it's only 12 players. In the case of the West, now 13. Is Mike Conley like the 14th best player in the West? Maybe. Like, what a bummer. Um, and that's kind of where he's been his whole career. He, before Mike joined our team, I always said I thought he – everyone talked about him as the most underrated player, and I always said I thought he was the most appropriately rated player. Like, he's 
right on the edge of being an all-star. Like, I, he's a great, great player who does awesome stuff and makes you win. He's right on the edge of being an all-star. Like, I thought always thought he was appropriately um, talked about because, and I meant that very complimentary. Like, that's, it, that's an amazing level to be at. Not very few players are all-stars. In fact, if you kind of look at the West guards since Mike Conley's been on this run, like, you look and it's kind of the same guys over and over and over again. And I think there's an incredible note that was in the ringer that the first-team guards are like 16 straight first-team guards are Western Conference. Um, for eight straight years, both the guards have been Western Conference guards. So it's, he's been in a loaded field. I get it. Like, I really do feel for him. You have this great a career, and that one little nod would really change the way the leg- your legacy is thought about. You know, we can have some deep existential conversation about whether outside – you know, influences, but it is true. Like you go to his basketball reference page, it would say all-star like that matters. And it would be great validation for everything he's done. So I really feel for him. I thought his comment of like, Oh, what did we need to do? Go 31 and oh, was really, that kind of swung me a little bit. Like they're, they're one of the five great seasons of all time right now. Right. That we talked about earlier, they probably deserve the third all-star and yeah, somebody else probably should have gotten screwed instead of Mike Conley, considering how great the jazz are, but I'm not sure people have fully grasped how great this team is so far this year. All right, last thing before we let you go, we got uh, the voice of the fan here. BYU just tweets at us what at DLock09 is forgetting is that Joe absolutely owns Paul George in the playoffs. Can you count on that Oklahoma series? Is Oklahoma City series? Is that gonna is that gonna matter if they meet up in a few months? Nope. Because it was five years ago. Just a totally different. Paul George might own himself, unfortunately, for Paul George in the playoffs. I don't think it has anything to do with Joe Ingles. I mean, Joe was great that series, but Paul George is an elite-level player who in massive moments has not been able to perform at his highest level. It's a very hard thing to keep your mind-body connection together in the, in, the mo- in the highest pressure moments, and that's something that he's not shown a great ability to do. David, we will leave it there. We, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Okay. Talk to you soon. All right. There's David Locke. Probably not three Red Bulls into the day, PK, but probably one or two, don't you think? He's pretty fired up. I think that his DNA somehow <laughs> produces Red Bull-like qualities. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that's probably true. He doesn't, he doesn't need the Red Bull. His DNA just cranks yeah. it out. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Got a couple questions of the day. You can hit us up on Facebook and on uh and on Twitter, uh, about the Jazz and the road trip, 3-1, 4-0, what do you think there? Also, the latest on the uh, investigation from the NBA into the allegations against Dennis Lindsay. You can hit us up on Facebook there, DJ and PK. It's, we'll get to those both next. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com.
Question up on our Facebook page, two-part question of the day today. The Jazz issued a statement saying that they have proactively engaged outside counsel to work in coordination with the NBA to thoroughly investigate Elijah Millsap's allegations of racist comments by Dennis Lindsay. Posted that, get your reaction, and PK will shock you to learn that it's all over the place. No, that's exactly what we'd expect, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what to expect, honestly. Yeah, I, I expected it to be all over the place. I, I think that there's a lot okay. of information that we wish we had that we don't have. Um, there's there's a lot of questions, and I feel when there's that many, uh, you know, blank paragraphs in the story that people often fill it in with their own experience. And to the degree that our own experiences are all over the place, you're probably going to fill it in with stuff that's all over the place. Um, Robbie says, I feel this is just an attempt to throw off the organization. It won't work. Uh, Liza Millsap doesn't like how much the Jazz are winning. Secretly on the payroll of another NBA contender. Not sure I'm buying that. Well, I saw the Deseret News got in touch with him and that uh, he said that he didn't think Dennis and Lindsay was a racist. He actually has a massive amount of respect for the Jazz organization, and he obviously played with the Millers, and that's his frame of reference, or played for the Millers when they owned uh, all of the team. And if you go read that story, he has a lot of respect and admiration and deep feeling. So I don't think that he'd be rooting against them. Uh, in that way. So, yeah, I would probably uh, not believe that that's true. Uh, and he doesn't say, when he says that, having read the story, that he doesn't think that uh, Dennis Lindsay's a racist. Assume just for argument's sake. Just for argument's sake. Not saying Dennis said it or didn't say it. I, I don't know. What would be the penalty? You thought the penalty would be termination. Yeah. Yeah, when I see stuff from the organization that it. there's zero tolerance. I mean, I can only compare it to other cases, and I haven't, you know, I don't, I don't follow the tech world at all, so I haven't paid any, uh, any attention to how Ryan has handled employees and his other businesses. I mean, <laughs> I paid zero attention to that. But when I hear people say zero tolerance, I usually think termination is going to follow. I mean, I just, and that goes okay, back to what, what I said is- earlier. There's blank spots in the story, and we fill them in with our experience. And when I hear people say zero tolerance, yeah, I, I think well, people are going to get fired. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. That's what I think. So if a player said that, there would be termination? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, then there's... So it's okay, but zero it's a, tolerance if, depending it's front, on what if you it's, look like? If it's front office personnel. The, the players, depending on how good you are... You, we've been over this a million times. Players can get away with saying and doing things. Well, then that's not zero tolerance then. Okay, you're right. But I'm going under the assumption of it's zero tolerance. You're talking about someone who works in a front office. And I always feel like front office people get handled okay, differently so than players. That's, that's the issue that I want to bring up. There's clearly different rules for different people. And I think that we need to have a national discussion that outlines so we all know the ground rules. What are what are acceptable words and tweets for some people may not be for other people. And that gets a little confusing. At least it is for me, but I'm just an average guy with average intelligence and 
and I and I don't understand how one person can say something. It's not that big of a deal. But somebody else says something. Man, you're going to lose your job over that. Yeah. Well, we had a conversation. That's confusing to me. And we haven't had this on the air, but we've had this conversation off the air. A guy we both know who used to work in the media in this market uh, has been working in New York for a while, and he's from there. Um, uh, Jonah Schwartz, he was at Fox 13 uh, a decade ago, 15 years ago, something like that. And he's got it. We saw he's got a lawsuit going. He is suing his employers, working for a regional sports network back in New York. And with everything happening this summer, they were going to do a kind of a roundtable talk show. And um, I think it was going to be four people. And there were uh, uh, two people of color and two white people who were staffers who were invited to be on this. And a woman who had a um, one parent is black and one parent is white said, I don't want to do... Why, why are these white guys here? I don't want to do the show with them. And management asked the two of them, and this is all, I haven't talked to Jonas, this is all off reading the media reports. And the management said, um, hey, you guys, how about not doing the show? And Jonas said, well, I think I have something to contribute. I want to do the show. And the other guy said, okay, I won't do the show. Now, there was some back and forth, and Jonas eventually doesn't get his contact, contract renewed, and he thinks the two are, are uh, related, and there's other stuff in the story. But when you and I were talking about it, you said, why did the other guy say that? And I said, well, maybe because he tried to read the room. You know, everybody, the rules aren't the same for everybody. They're, you know, I can say, hey, it should be fair and the rules should be for the same for everybody. And how many times over the course of this show on, on 50 different topics, you've yelled 50 different times, like, there's no fair in the world. Stop bringing up fair. You know, if there was fair, three-year-olds wouldn't get leukemia. Okay, there is no fair. And so, to your point that there are different rules for different people and life isn't fair, in this situation, based on the media reports, you know, this coworker of Jonas's read the room and is like, why am I going to wade into this? She doesn't want me here. The management would rather keep her happy than keep me happy. I'm not going to run my head into this brick wall. And Jonas did, and now Jonas doesn't have a contract. Now, I haven't talked to Jonas since he left Utah. I liked him, and I talked to him when he was here. But, you know, I, I don't know the backstory. I don't know what else will happen. But, I mean, Jonas is spending money on lawyers because he's furious about, you know, what he perceives as a massive double standard. Uh, so, I don't know. I've also told you before, I don't know how we have a national conversation. 300 whatever million, 320 million people, give or take 10 million. And we're going to get all their opinions well, and have a national have it conversation. have on other stuff pretty yeah, well. And, and, and it leads to people yelling <laughs> at each other and solving nothing. I don't feel like I don't feel like we've sold anything since we've started doing this show. People, I mean, did, I don't know what people. Up? I don't know what people people will be yelling about. No, I well, give up. I mean, those having a national conversation with three hundred and thirty million people and giving up. I don't think are only two options. I, I think we have other options. What are they? Well, I think you gave an excellent one. You get to know people in your circle, and you try to increase your circle. And I've said I. As much as we all seem to recede, not all of us, but many of us seem to recede into groups that largely look and sound and act like us, whether it's politics or it's race or it's religion or it's socioeconomic or it's whatever, you know, do you have five people in your world who vote differently than you, 
Do you have five people in your world who go to church different in a different place than you? Do you have five people in your world who look different than you? You know, and you've said this is only going to get changed at the ground level. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. It's not that nothing can happen at a state level or a national level. It can. But even the roots of that are probably, you probably go back and find them at the ground level. Mm-hmm. You know, and as far as what Dennis did or didn't say six years ago in a room with four people in it, you know, I thought that Rudy Gobert nailed it. He got asked about it after the game because he's one of the few guys left on the team from 2015. And he started his comments acknowledging that he and Elijah were pretty close at the time. And he said, I never heard about it. I'm just going to reach out to him and find out. It was six years ago. That's why it's tough to understand. Hopefully we can get more information. Even for a guy who you would think would be much closer than you or I or anybody else in the media or any other fan listening, you know, there's big parts of the story he doesn't know. And that's why he says it's tough to understand. It was six years ago. Why does it come out now? Well, it looks like Elijah's basketball career is over. I assume that when he was playing, if he says that, he thinks it'd be hard to get another job. I mean, I mentioned yesterday, you know, Andy Williams, there were, unlike this story where I've heard nothing in the background ever about Dennis and Race. I've never heard that. Maybe it's out there and I don't know it, but I have never heard anything about that. Before Andy Williams spoke out, I had heard Andy had a story and that Andy didn't want to share the story because Andy liked his job. Now he got furloughed and after a few months, he eventually shared the story and everything blew up and we know Deloitte's got to sell the team and everything that came out of that. But Andy's been on social media recently saying he can't get another job, and he thinks it's because he spoke out. Now, he finally has taken another job, and he's going to be moving out of state for it. Um, So why would Elijah sit on something for six years? Maybe that's why. Um, But there's big holes in this story. But I think think you're right. Yeah, I'm not really interested in the details of the story. I'm interested in what's the punishment going to be. Well, I I guess first, yeah, I guess first I want to know if it happened. If it didn't happen... If it didn't happen, then right, if it didn't happen passion. here, it's going to happen someplace else in some other organization no, somewhere along true. the line. Yeah. And so, what what's the standard? It seems like we've got standards all over the place. DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.